0: Welcome to another episode of Woman Advantage. I'm super excited to be joined by Kat Silverman, goalie expert extraordinaire. Um, she is going to talk to us about hockey and how she got started in it and what she's doing now. Welcome, Kat.
1: Thank you for having me. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm stoked that you're here and that I'm glad we can make this work, even though we're on very different time zones.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah, that's uh probably the worst part of uh it's funny we're uh we're three hours apart right now for for your listeners but um if we had decided to do this in like i think it's in like two or three weeks uh we would only be two hours apart because fun fact for everyone phoenix does not believe in daylight savings it's like against the phoenician religion here so we uh we become mountain time after
0: i'm a firm believer that you guys do that right
1: no, oh no! It maybe it's because everyone else still does daylight savings, but it, having to remember just how many hours behind everyone else I am is—it's—it's it's the worst. Especially because I've got family in in Central Time, I've got family in Eastern Time, I've got family overseas. Uh, so trying to figure out how many hours behind everyone I am at any given point in the year, by the time I like finally get used to it, I have to start counting down for the, uh, the transition to, to the new time. So it's, I've, I've basically been confused for the last five years and uh, it's not going to change. Many times. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's, I, I will give you that one. Um, but this actually isn't a podcast about time zones, even though I would definitely do that. <laughs> this is a podcast about hockey. So let's get started by how did you get started in hockey?
1: I, I got into hockey through family. Um, my mom's side of the family is from Scarborough. It's outside Toronto. Um, she played hockey as a kid. My uncle played hockey. My grandfather played hockey. Um, the rest of my grandfather's family were huge Leafs fans growing up uh, Johnny Bauer lived with some of our family members back in the day. A couple of the other Leafs players did. My great uncle was a rink manager at the old Maple Leafs Gardens. So we are, it's it's kind of in the kind of a biological trait uh, in our family. And so I kind of grew up knowing hockey a little bit, playing hockey a little bit. Um, When I got to college, I forewent most of the sports that I was playing through. Primary and secondary school in favor of the great sport of beer pong, and eventually kind of got back into recreationally playing hockey and watching with my friends. I was I was living in New York at the time, um, and right around the lockout, the twenty twelve lockout, I ended up doing a big school paper on the economics of the lockout. Um, kind of really got back into the sport after a after kind of being a casual observer for a couple of years. And uh, after college, wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. Um, so I was basically just watching hockey and playing hockey a little bit and ended up having a buddy of mine tell me that I was talking about it enough that I might as well write something about it or, or shut up, basically. And uh, so I started doing a little bit of blogging. Um, ended up sort of fortuitously getting a gig out in Arizona. Where I was offered a position with the hockey development department here. Um, and I'd already done some youth coaching in the past. So it felt like a pretty good fit. Uh, so you know, I kind of got into into coaching the kids in the area, growing the sport a little bit, kept writing, and eventually, I think enough people were tricked into believing that I knew I was talking what I was talking about that uh, I, I am asked a little bit of a following and now it's something that, that I do more full time. So. Yeah,
0: I'd say it's more than a little following at this point.
1: <laughs> it's uh, it's funny. I um, my brother, one of my brothers, went to school in in the Quad Cities. That's outside. For uh, for the people on the East Coast who who might not know, that's uh, a couple hours outside of Chicago. It's right at the border of Illinois and Iowa. Um, and a bunch of his buddies are you know huge Blackhawks fans. And somebody that he knew told him that they read my work and they're like that's your sister that's so cool and he thought that was the lamest thing ever I was like they thought you were cool gross
0: <laughs> like, yeah, no. is he younger but, than you he sounds younger
1: yeah my brothers are uh they're in their their mid-20s and I'm sure they're gonna be tremendously embarrassed that I'm shouting them out here for it but but yeah they uh, one of them thought it was kind of neat that, that his friends knew who I was. The other one thought it was just the most shameful thing ever. I think it probably falls somewhere in between. <laughs> um, so hockey's in
0: your blood, but what made you want to play goalie?
1: Um, for a really long time, when people asked me this, I uh, I kind of gave the you know the canned answer. I'm not a tremendous skater, and so it seemed like the best way to play without having to do a ton of skating. Um, but as I've gotten older I've realized that uh it doesn't matter whether you're a good skater or not uh I think I was attracted to being a goalie just because I'm a little weird um <laughs> I finally <laughs> caved and uh, accepted that that's probably the best explanation for it um no it's uh it's the position where you can really think about what's going on on the ice in front of you in a way that I enjoyed it's uh it's got the level of focus that I like it's uh you don't have to skate a ton and you control what's happening to you. You don't have to wait for a pass or, you know, you don't have to have your teammates in the right position to do your job. It's, it's all entirely within your control, what you're able to do. And I don't know, it's just, it's the most fun I have playing hockey is, is being a goalie. So I don't think I could have done anything else, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) It's
0: expensive, <laughs> but <laughs> you're just playing into the goalies or weird stereotype by admitting that you're a little weird, but that's yeah, no, you know, I, I, I spent
1: a long time fighting <laughs> against that. I uh, I, I used to get kind of offended by it, but uh, the more I've spent time around other goalies because growing up, you know, there wasn't a ton of goalie specialization, especially uh, when my family lived in Texas goalie coaching still relatively new um goalie camps are still relatively new uh the more I've gotten to participate in them and work at them and attend them I've you know when it's you and 30 other goalies in in a small concentrated location at the same time you realize that the stereotypes there for a reason so I think I've I think I've accepted it by now
0: yeah, that's, that's fair. I mean, it takes a special person to be that focused and stand there the whole time. Honestly, I know myself, I could not do it. So do you think that playing goalie yourself has shaped the way that you cover hockey?
1: Absolutely. And
0: like in what ways?
1: Uh, the way you view the ice more than anything else. Um, because when I when I coached with the hockey development department, obviously, a lot of what you do when you're, you're coaching young kids and inexperienced kids isn't specialized coaching. It's not specifically working with goalies. It's working with everyone, teaching them how to hold the stick, how to shoot properly, how to, how to not sort of havil in each other with, with the blade of their stick when they're out there. Um, and so obviously I got to learn more about playing forward and playing defense and just the way you view the ice when you're a forward and when you're a defender versus the way you view the ice, when you're at the back, just sort of seeing everything in front of you, it's, it's completely different. And so the perspective's a little different. Um, The way that I watch shots being taken is a little different. I've learned that as I've, uh, as I've gotten a debate with people who have not historically played in net uh, the way that they view a shot being taken or why a shot did or didn't go in is very different from how a goalie sees it. Um, You have certain sympathies that uh, the forwards and defenders don't necessarily have, but then you also can sometimes be a little tougher on certain goals and on certain goalies because you know a little bit more about the timing and a little bit more about the spatial awareness of certain things. So something that someone else may say, Oh, there's no way they could have gotten to that shot. Well, yeah, they might've been able to. So it, just everything about the way you see the ice is different when you're in net versus when you're out. So it's, it's definitely played a huge role in that. And, uh, in terms of who I focus on, but ultimately the longer you spend off the ice, watching the game rather than playing it, the more you grow to watch the game as a whole. So I think I've gotten some balance and perspective over time, but it definitely changes at least the initial viewing for sure.
0: That's so interesting. Um, So as somebody who has never played hockey uh, before, I figure skated growing up because girls didn't play hockey, whatever. But as someone who's obviously never been a goaltender either, what is one thing that I should pay attention to when I'm watching a goalie? Like if I had to only pay attention to one thing, what would that thing be?
1: Um, It sounds kind of funny, but I'd say their heads. Where a goaltender's looking can usually tell you if they're prepared to make a save or if it's going to have to either be a desperation save or a luck save, or if the puck's going to go in, um, you can tell a lot about how prepared they are for a shot based on how well they're tracking, not just the puck, but the play, um, based on how they're reacting to it. And usually if you're following their head, you can you can tell if their body's following them correctly too. You can tell if, if when a goaltender's tracking something, they're able to, uh, if you know their their heads turning one way and the rest of their body still going in another direction, obviously they're not a they're not doing their job right. Uh, but you can you can really tell a lot about how prepared they are for a shot just based on where they're looking. And uh, yeah, it's. Uh... <laughs> it's not something that we think about a lot because usually if a goaltender's watching properly the save gets a little boring cuz cuz you know they know where where the puck is before it leaves the stick and so they're in a better position they're not making those flashy saves but uh, even though it's more fun to watch for the windmills and the poke checks and how well they're challenging the shooter and cutting down the angle it's it tells you a lot more about where they are just based on their head work
0: yeah Uh, watching goalies do those kind of saves just stress me out because I don't like it. Like it's, that's going to go in. Like if you are, (laughs) it's like, if you're in the full splits and like you used like the very end of your stick to stop the puck going in, then that, like, it looked great, but like that was an incredibly stressful sequence for me to watch.
1: Usually if it's a highlight reel save, it's, it's not necessarily a good save. And that's that's not always the case. Obviously, sometimes they're, you know, fortuitous bounces that, you know, goalie thinks it's coming from somewhere and just a deflection ends up sending it somewhere else. And when they, you know, get a piece of it at the last second, that's still a great save. But sometimes they just, they had no idea what was going on on the play and, or they miscalculate something or they get a little too aggressive and, and pull a Mike Smith next thing you know, they're out past the hash marks having to wiggle their way back into their empty net. And that's, Even though that's eye catching and maybe highlight real worthy, it's not necessarily a good thing.
0: (laughs) Yeah. uh, I don't like watching Mike Smith. That's incredibly stressful. Uh, You and me both.
1: (laughs) 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 Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, So you moved to Arizona to work with the Coyotes, correct?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was uh, back in 2015. Wow. Um, so
0: what was it like working with an NHL team? And, you know, kind of I'm I'm assuming maybe wrongly, hopefully wrongly, that you were one of few women working for them. So kind of like what was that dynamic like?
1: Um, so before I get into anything too deeply, I I will say that the director of hockey development for the coyotes, his name's Matt shot. He uh has done I, I don't know if I can say enough about how much he's done including women in particularly in hockey development with the team and the team's done a good job of hiring people I believe their legal counsel is a woman right now they have an advisor to the general manager that's Lindsay Fry she's a woman you know they have women working in various roles throughout the team so it's not it's not an all-male organization but what SHOT has done to get women involved from top to bottom within hockey development in particular. So the people that are on the ground, working with children, getting them involved in the sport is, I I don't know if I can say enough about that. Um, And that's, that's really how I ended up working with them is he, he knew my name from, from doing some, some coverage of the team. And he said, you know, I know you have some experience with hockey. I know you, are interested in watching the sport grow here? Uh, would you like to come on board as a coach? And he had me apply, made sure I was good to go. And sometimes I would be the only woman working at a clinic. We'd go out to elementary schools or to summer camps. Sometimes out to the rink to to do you know intro clinics with kids. And sometimes I'd be the only woman, but he made sure that whenever possible there was at least one of us working at every one of those. So even though I wasn't always working with another woman, it might've been because one of the other three or four that he had hired were out at different schools at that point in time, just to make sure that there was always a female face helping to coach so that these kids always saw at least one woman in a coaching role, just to, just to sort of normalize it and get used to that. And that was something that I certainly hadn't expected when I came on board. Um, and it was kind of lonely sometimes, you know, when you're when you're the only woman, and there are four or five other guys. Uh, most of them were pretty nice. Some of them said some things over the course of the year and change that I coached with them. Um, that you know, hopefully they'll learn from from their words in the future. Um, but Ugh. ultimately, yeah, it's we still have a long way to go as a sport when it comes to. Gender sensitivity, in particular, um, when it comes to how we talk about women in the sport, when it comes to how we talk about female qualification for working in the sport, there's still there's still a long road. But for the most part, I mean, it was it was an incredibly rewarding experience because the majority of the people who worked with the Coyotes, and a lot of them still do work with the Coyotes, respected having me there and were friendly and remembered my name and remembered my face. And now that my daughter's three, um, whenever possible, you know, they say hi to her at the rink and they've given her some, some swag for their all girls program. It's called the Arizona Kachinas. It starts with a learned escape program and goes all the way up through high school. So she has, she has her first toque for them. She has her first team hoodie. She has an extra toque that I get to wear to games. So it's it's really cute. She uh, I brought it home and she saw it and said, "Oh, this is what I wear to play the goalie goals at the rink." And I was like, "It is. You're correct." <laughs> oh. But yeah, it's, it was such a fun experience getting to work with the team uh, and just getting to see how interlocked everyone is. You know, you you get to know the people who work with the nhl players and you get to know the people who work with the ahl players and you get to know pr and you get to know the other hockey development coaches and through them you get to know the other youth coaches in the area and it's it's a really cool way to become immersed in a community for sure
0: that's awesome most of what you said is awesome besides that one part that was not (laughs) um but i'm glad to hear that you know The Coyotes are making an active effort to engage women on all levels. That's not something you hear very frequently. So I like that a lot. And kind of keeping with the, you know, Arizona, the Coyotes, that area, um, I hate to call any market non traditional because I think that perpetuates a stigma. And then people who are from quote unquote traditional hockey markets get really uppity about it. So when I ask this question, I'm not going to call it a non traditional market, but what is your favorite part of working in Arizona? And doing stuff around hockey in Arizona.
1: Um, so, as much as I I understand the the hesitation to call it a non traditional market, I think uh, I think there's something almost a badge of pride with it being a non traditional market around here, specifically because of one of the things that's my favorite part of working in the Arizona market. It's having come from a traditional hockey market, you know, my family's from Toronto. It doesn't get much more (laughs) traditional hockey than that. Uh, It's so different because year round, you can go to the rink in shorts here. And I mean, that's, that's non-traditional, but how neat is that? You know, you can, you don't have to get bundled up to go into a cold rink. You can use the cold rink as a way to escape the heat and you can go outside in your shorts and practice just, just stick handling in in your shorts and flip flops out, out on the concrete or out on a ball hockey court if you want to during the year. And you don't get the pond hockey and you don't really get the same sense of magic that you do when it's snowing outside and you get to go watch hockey all bundled up. And, and so, yeah, that's missing, but you do get this sort of reprieve from the heat and it's a lot of fun. You know, there's there's something to be said for being able to go into a cold rink in the summer when it's 115 degrees outside and just hang out on the ice. You know, it's we always joke that hockey is so popular here because it is. It's becoming more popular every year uh, because it does get so hot in the summer. You know, people, they want to get away from the sun and they want to get away from the heat. <laughs> and where's a better place to do that than a very large freezer with a slab of ice? So, but... Apart from that, I'd say my favorite part of working here is uh, the kids. You know, you see so many kids in Arizona who either don't come from hockey families or don't come from the United States period. You get kids from Hispanic families in particular who hockey's a fun sport. It's hard not to get involved when you go to games. It's hard not to get excited. It's hard not to root for the team and it's hard not to enjoy it when you're playing. And for kids that are discovering that for the first time and getting to see them in just groups, especially like when we coach the kids and there's a group of 40 elementary school kids who have really never seen hockey before and get their first chance to hold a stick and shoot, shoot a ball, hockey ball and score a goal on the big coaches. You know, it's, that's so much fun. And obviously, it's not to take away from the traditional markets in any way, but you don't really get to see that as much up north. You don't really get to get an entire room full of elementary school kids who are old enough to really understand how to thank you for for showing them the sport. Uh, you don't really get to introduce 40 kids at a time to playing hockey, and that's so much fun to do.
0: I bet it's so cute. Oh, gosh. No, I'd never... I hadn't really thought about it from that perspective, so that's... Really cool that you get to do that and you get to see that. But one kid who has not – you won't be able to see her in that group because your daughter has been around hockey her whole life, basically. Um, (laughs) She has some really great um, insights into the game already and some top-notch analysis. So um, do you see her, like, getting into hockey? And what position do you think she'll play?
1: Um, If she wants to play, she'll be allowed to. Uh, Both her dad and I played growing up. Um, We're still – We're still debating whether or not she'll be a goalie. Um, She seems to be trending that way. Uh, Obviously, she's three. So what she trends towards every day kind of changes. So take that with a grain of salt. But (laughs) if she wants to be a goalie, I am fine with it. My wallet may not be fine with it. But emotionally, (laughs) I will be fine with it. Uh, But she may end up being a power forward. She may end up being a goon. She may end up being the next John Scott or Jamie Ben. I'm not really sure. Um, she's definitely not going to be the next Brad Marchand because I think she's already his height. Um, she is three years old and she is officially 39 inches tall. Wow. Um, which is three foot three, um, which I believe is taller than Sean Doogie. Um, so. I think it's taller than Nathan Gruby too. Um, so yeah, we're uh, we're not really sure what to do with that. Uh, she seems to also want to play baseball very badly. She wants to play soccer very badly. Um, at this point, she may end up playing rugby. We're not sure. Um, but yeah, if she wants to, she can. Uh, I am fine with whatever position she wants. I think her dad wants her to do anything that costs less money than being a goalie. But we'll see. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I I would imagine when your kid comes home and you're a hockey, you know, potential hockey parent and they're like, "I want to play hockey." It's exciting. And then they're like, "And I want to be the goalie." You're like, "Oh no. <laughs> so expensive." Yeah, it's, uh,
1: it's really expensive. Even even if you don't get the new equipment, it's still especially for a kid who grows as much as she does. It's really expensive. So, we're hoping that she doesn't get interested in, in specializing too soon but but we'll see she's three so hopefully we have another couple years before she decides yeah we're hoping
0: yeah I mean I would imagine she'd you know want to try everything before she decides anyways
1: uh (laughs) that's that's the funny thing about kids you you think that they'll want to try everything but uh they make up their minds real fast she uh she knows what car she wants She's three and she's decided she wants a small red car that goes fast. So she wants speeding tickets. <laughs> um, but she's been beating that drum for about three months now. So oh, wow. I think if she makes up her mind, yeah, if she makes up her mind this this easily about things, we're, we're in trouble.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, good. Now you know what to get her for her 16th birthday. You can start saving now for, you know, little red Corvette.
1: Yeah. Little red Corvette matchbox, maybe. <laughs> um, She's going to laugh when she gets herself a little red bike. <laughs> She'll laugh. Um,
0: so you, you know, have done a lot in hockey from, you know, writing about it, from working with a team. Um, what do you think can be done for hockey to be more inclusive?
1: Um, I think listening. That's, to me, that's the biggest thing that we're missing. We, and obviously nobody wants to admit that they have failed at something. Everybody wants to believe that they're including everyone who wants to be included. And everyone wants to believe that they're not maliciously leaving anyone out of something. That's, I don't think any of us ever feel good when we're told that we're, that we're making a space unwelcome for someone. And, and that can be our first reaction as humans can be to get defensive when we hear that. And even the most well-intentioned men in the sport don't necessarily like to hear that even if they're not purposely closing the door on women being involved and people of color being involved, and particularly women of color, uh, they're, they're left out of the conversation more often than I think just about anyone else. Um, when, when people are told that they're not doing a good enough job at that, they tend to take it very personally. They, they take it as, Oh, the sports not being inclusive enough. You're saying that I'm a bad person. I'm a good person. Uh, so just listening, not trying to explain what we've done right so far, but saying, I hear you, what can I do better? And then following through with it. And that's one of those things that, uh, that I think I'll not to, not to beat Matt Chod's drum too much here. I'll, I'll have to send him the link to this, but, uh, that he's done with women's hockey in Arizona. It's obviously I, I'm a little biased because he did give me a job, but the way he presents the stories that he then provides, because he's done a phenomenal job of reaching out to local and national media to see who wants to cover his women's teams and his girls teams. And he says, who can I get you in touch with to talk to that will make sure that the women's voices are heard the most? And how can I, get you guys the information you need without making myself the story. And then he'll give us the information and say, okay, you've been given the information. What am I not doing enough of yet? And he listens and he's followed through with it. And he's done a phenomenal job of hiring all women to run the Arizona Kachinas, which is that girl's program. And as many female coaches as he can, and he hires them over the summer and he constantly sends texts and emails saying, hey, are there any women that want to get involved in the game that I haven't really reached out to yet? Am I excluding anyone? And I think that that's how it needs to be done. And that's him admitting that even if he hasn't intended to exclude someone in the past, he may have excluded them just by default, just by not giving them the opportunity to let their voice be heard yet and saying, hey, how can I make sure that that voice is heard? And and we need to see more of that just across the board because it doesn't say that people are, you know, bad people if they've excluded others in the past. It just says that they haven't known what to do. And so just listening and learning how to do better in the future and not automatically assuming that it's it's meant to be chastisement, being told that they can do better.
0: Yeah, that's that was an excellent answer. Wow. Um, and it, it kind of makes me think about... Um, <laughs> some of the teams out there that hire a woman and then kind of broadcast it to be like, we've hired this woman to do this thing. And that's awesome that they've done that. And it's great that they're talking about it. But I, um, it's really great to hear about the people who are kind of doing it quietly and at all levels so that it's like that like effect where it's kind of like you've brought women in from like the youth program up, which is really cool. So I'm just loving all everything I'm hearing. I might, you know, might be a Coyotes fan now,
1: guys. This is weird. Um, You should be. They wear wear their Katina jerseys every Saturday.
0: Yeah. That's one of my favorite jerseys in like in the league. It's so nice.
1: (laughs) Forget the league. It's honestly one of the best jerseys like across hockey. Yeah. Although. My daughter does not think so. Oh,
0: what is her take?
1: Her favorite jersey is Kalpa Kuopio. It's one of Finland's jerseys. It's uh, an SM Liga jersey. It's bright yellow. All of their goalies have to wear these like yellow lion helmets <laughs> because the jer- even that even the masks are sponsored over in Finland just to get extra you know <laughs> money for the teams and uh, somehow this bright yellow getup. <laughs> is she's convinced that that's like that's the bee's knees to her (laughs) she she could do without the which is uh probably her biggest shortcoming as a three-year-old
0: that's that's a flaw that's the first flaw I've heard about her
1: not to call my my toddler flawed but uh she's severely flawed (laughs) just that one flaw (laughs) just the one I'm gonna get through for (laughs) (laughs) I love my kid I promise. yeah
0: um so what um what advice do you have for a woman or you know a girl who's trying to get started in hockey whether that's playing or writing or you know whatever in hockey
1: Um That's tough. I I think that as much as I I don't want to lead with this, but I I do think that saying have a thick skin, um, know your own worth, and know when to speak up for yourself, but have a thick skin because hopefully things are getting better. Um, but when, when people tell you that you don't belong, tell them that actually you do. Um, because there are still people who will say that, you know, women don't deserve to cover the sport and women don't deserve to play the sport. And even from well-intentioned people. I'll I hear it from particularly in Arizona where we have a lot of seniors who culturally grew up in a time where dangerous contact sports were not for women. And even if they don't mean to to insult me by saying it, they'll say, "Oh, you play hockey. That's that's not very good for women. That's that's so Don't you think that's a little tough for you and you just you have to have a thick skin." And say no, it is for me and not let it get to you. Um, but beyond that, I'd say find somebody who's willing to let you in, find somebody who has that key to being included, whether it's through joining a group like the Black Girl Hockey Club or it's finding a coach in your area like Matt Shot, who's willing to give an opportunity to you or it's finding, you know, an organization that's that's sort of hosting get-togethers, like like the You Can Play program, finding someone who's happy to see you there, I think is really the best way to get involved, because like any other sport, hockey is a very you-have-to-know-someone kind of sport. It's it's a very connection-driven sport, and finding someone who's a friendly ally um, from the get-go can make it can make it more bearable. It can make it a little easier make it more fun, but it can also help you get in touch with other people who may not have been willing to give you their number, their email. Uh, so just finding someone who's willing to be your advocate, even if, even if it doesn't seem like, like you need to have your hand held, uh, just finding someone else who's willing to, willing to introduce you to people and, really give you that opportunity to show that yeah you you do belong in the long run
0: that's some very great advice um so i think those are all the questions i have for you i don't want to keep you much longer i know that there is a very important tv show on right now and i can't keep you away from arrow so um do you you know want to plug anything you're working on, or you know let people know where they can find your stuff?
1: If people want to follow me on Twitter, I, I will give them the caveat that uh, a large chunk of my Twitter is my child predicting how games will go. She's usually right, and it sometimes hurts. Um, so be prepared to have a three-year-old hurt your feelings at some point. But uh, yeah, they can they can find all my work on Twitter at Cattam Silverman. Uh, I do have some fun stuff coming up in the next couple of weeks. I uh, I can't give too much away, but I will say that there is a Spotify playlist involved in one thing that I'm working on uh, that should be pretty exciting for people to get into. Um, but that's all I'll say. So they should follow me and keep an eye out. Yeah, that's
0: I'm now I'm intrigued I love Spotify
1: playlists I told people there's a present coming um and a bunch of people asked me if I'm sending them like hats and I I don't know how much money they think I make (laughs) but they're they're wrong um (laughs) to put it delicately it's not going to be hats um, but it will be something fun that's awesome so
0: well Thank you so much for coming on. This has been great. Uh, And thank you for listening uh, to another episode of Woman Advantage. You can find me on Twitter at HBurrito92. And uh, like Kat said, you can find her on Twitter as well. So um, thanks for listening and we'll catch you later.